We're back at it, family. This is episode number six of Words for 2022. And last week, the word was reputation. I was saying to you that reputation and your reality must coincide. That is, they must be in a love-love relationship. They cannot be in a love-hate relationship because some of us, what we project is not what we are. So I said to you, do not be a Christian in reputation only. You, you got to learn to be a Christian in reality as well. When you say, I believe in God, does that show up in how you handle your money, in how you handle people, and in how you handle situations? Does it show up? If it ain't showing up, if there's incongruency or there's a disconnect, you got to be able to bring that together. Now, perhaps this is your first time here at JCC and you did not cast that word. I encourage you to cast that word on Jakarta Central Church YouTube page and we are right there and you can be up updated and upgraded in your spiritual situation. So I pray that God will bless you. And today I want to bring us word number six. And I've chosen the New American Standard Version to preach from today. I've moved from the ESV uh, to a new version because I believe that any version is all right. Please don't get in, don't get stuck in the trap that one version is perfect because there ain't no perfect versions out there, just like there are no perfect people. So any version, as long as it's the word of God and I can work with it, I'm willing to work with it. So today it's the new America Standard Bible that we're talking about from our for our word for today. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to take your copy and join me in Revelation chapter 3. And we are going to contemplate and to consider uh, verse number 7, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 7. Uh, these are the words of Jesus to the church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia simply means brotherly love. The text reads, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. Now, now you got to just pause right there and just check the things that are said about Jesus before he speaks. Basically, he's saying, whatever I'm speaking is coming from who I am as a person. And that's why God's word is so powerful, because it is a reflection of who he is as a person. So when you trust the word of God, you are accepting the personhood of God. Another sermon for another day. But let's check verse number eight. I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have little power. Anybody has a little power today? Uh, lean into this text for a moment. And have followed my word and have not denied my name. They have little power, but they follow his word and do not deny his name. So it's not the power that you are lacking. And don't use that as an excuse to do God's will. Verse 9, Behold, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not by lie. I'll make them come and bow down before your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Verse 10, because you have kept my word of perseverance, I will, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. Good news today. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming quickly, quickly. 
Hold firmly to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. The one who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he'll not go out from it anymore. And I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God and my new name. Verse 12, the one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. I want to talk about resources, resources. Let us pray. Father God, speak to us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Google Dictionary defines resource as a stock or supply of money, material, staff, or other assets. People, organizations, use resources to continue a lifestyle to carry out responsibilities, to complete a job, to change situations. We go to great lengths to get resources. We work overtime to gain resources. We look over principles to guard resources. We give people resources that we are willing to let go of. Now, it's extremely stressful when resources shrink. Perhaps you are suffering from shrinking resources today. You can't sleep at night wondering how you're going to pay the bill. You only have two weeks to meet that payment. The medication and the money don't match. The class and the expensive textbooks don't match. You are the only person winning the bread. And when you get home, you also must make bread. And sometimes we stress people to supply our shrinking resources. Kids stress parents to provide money for lessons, to provide money for gadgets, to provide money for trips. Siblings stress each other to pay their part of the project that they agreed to do together. Sometimes partners will stress each other with lawsuits because resources are running low. And sometimes you and I, we lack the mental bandwidth to deal with the issue. So we turn off our phones. We don't respond to text messages. And we're not willing to go to the family party. My study of the Church of Philadelphia taught me this. You don't have to have much to do much. Uh, listen to the words of Jesus in verse 8, uh, helping me to make this case to you. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. You have a little power and have followed my word and have not denied my name. See, the word translated power in the verse is dunamis. It can mean excessive force. But in this particular context, uh, the, the, the meaning is a lack of excessive wealth. When Jesus looks at the church, he says that they lack resources. Jesus sees them as a church that is living hand to mouth. They are the church that has retired without a pension. 
They are the church that does not know how to pay for the trip, does not know how to pay for the textbook, does not know how to pay for the needed medication. They have no excess resources. They have no excess wealth. But Jesus is smiling because though they lack excessive wealth, they have excessive faith and excessive fight. So I'm just going to get this in a minute. The church has followed the word of Jesus and has confirmed the name of Jesus. The church has focused not on their inability, but they have focused on their capability. Jesus is saying to the church, your meager resources do not mitigate your faithfulness. I don't know if I'm preaching yet. Let, let me get into this thing for a moment. You don't have to have much to do much. You don't have to have all the money to get an education. You don't have to have a brain like Einstein to do the next best experiment. You don't have to live in the U.S. to travel all the countries of the world. You don't have to have a theology degree to preach a sermon. What Jesus is saying is that the Church of Philadelphia has focused on extension. They are into expansion. They are into enlargement. They're into evolution. They're into maturation. They're into escalation. They're into proliferation. They're into multiplication. They're into accretion. And they're into inflation. In other words, they are focusing on enlarging themselves, doing better for themselves. They're focusing on progress and, and moving ahead. Though they don't have a lot of resources. Jesus says, I know your works. In other words, I, I know what you're putting energy into. And Jesus is saying you're putting energy into enlargement. And I hope that you're also putting energy into enlargement. I hope that you're not putting, you're not putting energy into decay. You're not putting energy into decline. You're not putting energy into a decrease or degradation or deterioration or decrement or a downfall or a downturn. I hope that your energies are, are helping you to grow and to progress. I hope you're not pouting and throwing yourself a pity party because of what you lack, because of what you don't have. I hope you can uh, lean into this text for a moment. Uh, it's not what you have that determines how much you can do. It's how much energy you put into what you have that determines how much you can do. Oh, that's good. You see, the church of Philadelphia shows that they have value for the resources that they own. And do you know, that, do you know what resources they own? They own the word of Jesus and they claim the name of Jesus. And they value them because of the actions that they took. They followed his word and they did not deny his name. Let me drop a gem for you right here, right now. If you want to do much with the resources you have, value them. You see, value is demonstrated in the actions you take. In other words, what you say and what you do uh, should align for you to demonstrate value. Don't say, I value my job, and then show up late. 
Don't say I value my pastor, but never appreciate him. Don't say I value my family and never spend time with them. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And on the flip side, don't act also without speaking because some of us, uh, we, we show value by the actions we take, but we, we never affirm people. We, we, we never say good job. We, we, we never say I love you. We, we, we never lift people up. So, so the, the, the thing must match. We, we must say and, and we must do. We must do and, and we must say. And the church in Philadelphia is that particular place and they're showing value for the resources of the word of Jesus and the value of his name by following his word and by not denying his name. They are standing up for Jesus. They, they, they are doing all that they can because they see him as all in all. They see him as the prince of peace. They see him as the author and the finisher of uh, uh, their faith. In other words, what I'm trying to say, how you see someone, how you see something will determine the value you place on that. And the actions you take will confirm it. And the church right now is confirmed and affirming and valuing the resources of Jesus by how they're living for him and how they are going about their lives. And that's what somebody needs to do today, that you need to start valuing the things that you have by what you say and by what you do. And please believe it ain't what you say that shows value. It's about what you do. Your word needs to go along with that. And again, I told you that the resources of, of Philadelphia are the word of Jesus and they are the name of Jesus. Uh, do you know that those are resources? I know you look at your life and uh, uh, you see the things that you're lacking. You're lacking the degree. Therefore, you're doing all that you can to get the money to go and get the degree. You feel me? I know you're liking the partner. So you are on Tinder and uh, you're putting yourself out there to, to be known as somebody ready to mingle. I know that uh, you lack the, the clout. So you're trying to build networks and you know, Get your name known. I know you've been told that if you only get this certificate, or oh, it's going to take you over the top. Once you become a medical doctor, mm, 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 things are going to change for you. Once you get a spouse, wow, things are going to be totally different. And if I'm honest, I'm also chasing after resources. Uh, there are things I see in my life that I see I'm liking and, and I'm wanting them. But today I came to tell you that there's a resource that you have that if you can tap into it, it's going to take you to the next level. And it trumps all the resources that this world can, can offer. And the Church of Philadelphia has got it. And do you know that you also have it? Because you may lack monetary resources. You may not have human resource. You, you may not have social support. You may be all alone. You may not have money in the bank. 
But God has given you spiritual resources like he gave the church of Philadelphia. God has given you the name of Jesus to claim and he has given you the word of Jesus uh, to follow. And God is never stingy. And I love what Paul says. And I want us just to uh, dance with him for a moment and, and, and just sip the message of his words to the church of Ephesus. When he says to them about their spiritual resources, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so you are not liking spiritual resources. They have been blessed and given to you. And we got to praise God that we don't lack spiritual resources like, like, like Adam or like Abraham. Uh, we got to praise God that the same faith that Abraham had, we got it today. We got to praise God that the same connection that Adam and, and Moses had, we got it today. We got to praise God that the same God who worked power in the past is able to work power in the present. Uh, the same God who resurrected from the grave is the same God who is a resurrection and the life today. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So you should never get it twisted that you don't have what the others had in the past. I know you don't see visions today. I know you don't see Jesus walking on water today. I know you don't see Jesus speaking to you and, and, and multiplying your five loaves and your two fishes. I know that the disease that you got, Jesus ain't taking it away right away. But please understand that God has given us the whole counsel of his power. He has given us the whole outworking of his experience. And we don't have to, to, to worry and we don't have to be for lack for our faith and for our enrichment. All we got to do is to get into the word and read the stories because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In fact, let me tell you, as the writer of Hebrews spoke, he says, in the time past, God spoke through prophets and he spoke through other various means. But in these last days, he has given us his son, whom he has spoken us to. Do you know you're in a much better position than Moses? You're in a much better position than the Israelites. You're in a much better position than David. Because you have seen the full story. You have known what God has intended to do for humanity. And so you are standing on high shoulders. You're standing on a high moment, a high mountain. So I want you to be proud of where you are 2022 is better than AD 30. 2022 is better than AD 31. 2022 is better than 800 BC. You are at a much better place today than the past. And so you and I need to appreciate where we are. And what we need to do is to tap into our spiritual resources today. Uh, you see, I wish I could tell you that I always tap into our spiritual resources. Because the Church of Philadelphia, they follow his word and claim his name. I wish I could tell you that when I'm in an argument with a loved one, that I follow his name, that I follow his word, that I claim his name. But you know what resources I call upon when I'm in, in trouble? I call on worry. I chew on the issue all night. I handle the issue without handling it. You, you feel me? And some of us are right there. We are handling issues in our lives without handling them. We are, 
We're worried about our kids. We're worried about our jobs. We're worried about our families. We're worried about our money. We're worried about our health. Worry, 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 chewing, chewing, chewing. And Jesus says, by worry, you do not add a single stature to uh, your life. And I find myself in those moments, brother and sister, that I don't lean on his word, which is able to give me direction, uh, which tells me, do not be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I don't lean upon his word, which reminds me that if you lack wisdom, ask of me and I'm willing to give it to you without any, any reservation. I wish I could tell you that I don't, I will lean in his word, which reminds me that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. That when I really lean into his word, I'm actually leaning into Jesus. I wish to tell you that I call upon his name and, and, I, and I say to God, Lord, here I am. Lord, Lord, uh, help me in my situation. And that will translate peace into my life. Uh, brother and, and sister, listen to me. Uh, unless we learn. Unless we learn to uh, lean into these spiritual resources, you and I are always going to be in doubt. You and I are always going to be disturbed. You and I are always going to fall into the comparison trap. You and I are always going to lack joy because uh, the problem with life, and I think you know this, but let me just remind you what you already know is that life changes. Happiness is based upon what is happening. And when things are not happening in the way that you want them to happen, happiness is not going to be in your experience. But joy is something that goes beyond that. It doesn't focus on what is happening. It focuses on the one who can make it happen. And that is God. And he can bring us to a next level. And when we learn to put our lives in, in, in him and we focus in him, he is able to bring us to the next level. And the church of Philadelphia has mastered this ability of leaning into God and, and following God. And that is why they're able to do much even though they don't have much. I want to preach a little bit. Uh, you see what I'm trying to tell somebody is that you will not lack when you tap into God's word and call on God's name. Let me just repeat that. You will not lack when you tap into God's word and you call on God's name. Now, there are two things that I want to show you in the text that happen when you do much, when you don't have much. And, the, and there are these two things. God shows you out and God sustains you. You see, in the Urban Dictionary, to show out is when you have done something amazing. It's every time your favorite actor acts well in a movie. Uh, recently, Superman, or not Superman, Spider-Man came out and a lot of people were really happy about the movie and they were happy about the three versions of Spider-Man and, and that's what the show out is. You see, wow, the actor really did it good. It's every time your favorite athlete, whether it's Ronaldo or Steph Curry or Rafael Nadal, every time they do something great, you, 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 you're like, wow, that, that, is, that is to show out. So verse 9 says that when we do much, though we don't have much, God shows us out. Notice what Jesus says to the church of Philadelphia. Behold, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I'll make them come and bow down before your feet. I'll make them know that I have loved you. 
You see, uh, the Jews loved to show out. They considered themselves the greatest nation to ever live. In fact, anybody who was not a Jew was considered a second-class citizen. Uh, to be a Jew meant everything, and, and please believe they had good reason to show out. Uh, for, for example, take this, take this in. Abraham was a Jew. Three major world religions began because of Abraham. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are all tied to Abraham, and Abraham was a Jew. In the Bible, 2,560 2, times the word Israel appears. 645 times the word or the name Jerusalem appears. Jesus Christ was a Jew. He was born to Jewish parents. He lived in a Jewish country. He died in a, in a Jewish, on a Jewish cross. Can, can you see that? They truly, truly had every reason uh, to show out. Uh, but Jesus changed the classi classification of a Jew. Uh, in other words, when the church was invented, uh, the classification changed. A Jew was no longer simply somebody who is born Jewish, but rather a Jew is every born again person. <laughs> you see, every person who follows Jesus... According to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, becomes a Jew. Hallelujah, somebody. You see, spiritual Jews no longer gather in a synagogue, but the ecclesia, that is uh, the church. And in the church of Philadelphia, they are being told by literal Jews that they are really second-class citizens. They're not really a part of the kingdom. But Jesus is reminding the church, listen, Philadelphia, those guys are the synagogue of Satan. They are no longer gathering on my name. They are gathering on the behalf of Satan because they have denied me. And what Jesus is saying to the church is that you and I have a better commonality than the literal Jews that are telling you that you don't belong to me. That are telling you that you're not really what, uh, you're not really who I claim you're not really mine. In other words, Jesus is saying, I will show you out. Uh, they will one day come and bow their feet before you. They will one day understand that I chose you for myself. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is this. Don't allow what people say about your resources to stop you from doing what you can. And this is the message Jesus is communicating to the church of Philadelphia. You have little resources and others are telling you that you're not really a Christian. Others are telling you that you're not really in the kingdom of God. Others are telling you that you don't belong. Do not allow what people to say about you, Philadelphia, to stop you from continuing to follow my name, to stop you from continuing to follow my word, to stop you from praying all night, to stop you from giving your money to the church, to stop you from continually investing in, in, in me. I guess what I'm trying to tell somebody is this. 
People may look down on you for accepting Jesus. They may say, why are you always giving money to the church? They may clown you for investing your time in being involved in programs and being there and serving in the board. They may say to you, you have been giving all your time and your money. You don't have time for your family anymore. They may try to get down on you, but you must understand that that should not limit you. That should not stop you because one day Jesus is going to show you out. One day he's going to show you that you're truly his. One day others are going to say, wait a minute, you made the proper investment. Wait a minute, you made the proper life adjustment. Wait a minute, you made the right life path by choosing Jesus. And I want somebody to understand that when you have accepted Jesus and you have chosen Jesus, you are not in a loss. You are in a gain. You're not a loser. You're a winner. And you may feel like your faith ain't helping you right now. You may feel like your money problems ain't going away, though you're praying. You may feel like you are not going to get there. But please believe that there comes a day when Jesus is going to show you out. You see, investing in Christ, listen to me, investing in Christ has no risk, though it may be risky. It may be risky to accept Jesus. People may turn away from you. Your family may back away from you. People may consider you a weirdo. They may leave the group. They may not invite you to the group parties. It may be risky. You may lose a job for accepting Jesus. In the Middle East, people lose their lives for accepting Jesus. It may be risky, but it's not a risk. It's not a risk to invest in Jesus. Because Jesus is going to show you out. All that people have been telling about you, all that people have been saying about you, one day Jesus is going to say, let me show you why I, I truly, truly value this person. L let me go back to the text because it says like this, uh, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Uh, his showing you out is a demonstration that he loves you. And he's telling you this today to help you to know that I love you. I have not let you go. I've not forgotten you. You are not lost in my brain. I'm thinking about you. I know you're going through difficulty. I know it's hard. I know it's painful, but I ain't forgotten about you. I'm just preparing you for the time I'm going to reveal you. I don't want to flash you on Instagram. I don't want everybody to know what's happening, but it's coming a day that I'm going to show you out. And just because I'm not showing you around everywhere, just because I'm not coming through for you as you expect me to come through for you, doesn't mean that I'm not planning and preparing for you. We sometimes focus so much on what we see. We focus so much on what is not happening and we tie that to our faith. But please understand, sometimes faith is like a seed planted in the ground. We don't always see what is happening, but please understand, as long as that seed has been planted in the ground, there's going to be a connection between the soil and the seed. The moisture of the soil is going to get in. The nutrition of the, of, of the soil is going to get in. And then at some point it's going to bud. At some point it's going to show up. At some point it's going to show out. Keep on holding on to God, brother and sister. I know it's painful. I know it's difficult. But Please understand that investing in Christ is no risk at all, though it may be risky. Yeah, 
You might have to go through a tough time. You might have to lose here and there. You might have to feel a little bruises. And you might have to go through abuse. Uh, but please understand that that's just a little price uh, to pay. You see, some think investing in Christ is really a losing proposition. And I want to borrow the words of Ellen White because she really goes against this kind of thinking. Because whatever we give to Jesus, he gives more. And I just want to catch her statement in the book, Steps to Christ. And by the way, I want to encourage anybody, if you really want to get closer to Christ, this is a book that will help you to take the steps to Christ. It's one of the first books that I read as I was in matriculation and maturation as a Christian. And it has helped me to understand the love of God. And it has helped me to understand my plight as a sinner. It's, it's a really good book. But she says it like this. And I want to read a little bit slowly, and then I want to, want to kind of hit you with it a little bit. But what do we give up when we give all? In other words, what do you really give when you invest in Jesus? Notice what she says. A sin-polluted heart for Jesus to purify, <laughs> to cleanse by his own blood, to save by his matchless love. The only thing you're giving up is sin, is sin, is sin. That's what you're giving up. You're not giving up anything else <laughs> but a simple little heart. It's like all you're doing is going to sit at the table and eat lunch without pain. That's what you're doing when you give up everything to Jesus. When you invest your life in Jesus, that's what you're giving up. You thought you gave up a child? <laughs> you thought you gave up friends? No, you didn't, you didn't give up those things. You gave up a sin-polluted heart. You gave up a sin-polluted heart. Think about that for a moment. And she drops it like this. And yet, people think it hard to give it all up. I'm ashamed to hear of it spoken. I'm ashamed to write it. We should be ashamed, brother and sister, not to give into Jesus. It should make us drop our heads, not give in to Jesus, because the exchange is, is better for us than for Jesus. He, he had to take all the pain, and yet we get all the gain. So when you do much with the little that you have, Jesus is going to show you out. Because you have invested in him, but there's something else that he does for you, is that Jesus sustains you in the little. That you've given up. Notice what the text says in verse 10. Because you have kept my word of perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Yeah, this is a beautiful thing because the word says that the church of Philadelphia has been keeping the word of Jesus. Now, Jesus is saying, because you have kept my word, I'm also going to keep you. What a beautiful proposition. Jesus is saying, because you have scratched my back, I'm also going to scratch your back. Especially when it's difficult. You see, please understand that when you have given up anything for Jesus, he is going to sustain you when you're going through a difficult time. Uh, let me give you a biblical example. 
the widow of Zarephath gets a visit from Elijah, the man of God. And when he visits her, he says, give me bread and give me wine. Uh, this woman only has enough flour and oil to make bread for herself and her son. And that's it. And she is deep in debt. And guess what? Her husband was a prophet. And sometimes even those who serve God do suffer like that. And she gets this visit from this man of God. And he has audacity to ask her to give him the last meal that she got. That's like me coming to you and says, I know you only have a hundred thousand in your bank account. Can you give that to me so that I can order my grab to go back home? This is what is happening to this particular woman. Uh, but this woman, she obliges, obliges, she, she, she gives in to the request of the man of God. And by giving in to the request of the man of God, the Bible says that she had flour that was unlimited. She had so much oil that she had to borrow jars from her neighbors to keep in the, the, the jars. I'm trying to help somebody that when you are truly invested in God and you are giving the little that you have, God is going to find a way to sustain you. God is going to find a way to provide. Please believe you ain't going to go hungry this year if you will continue and stay steady with God. Please understand that is going to get you through school this year. Uh, you will not know where the textbooks will come from, but they will come. You will not know where the rent is going to come from, but they will come. You will not know how you will find the people to help you in that project, but they will come. You will be asked by God to do some hard things this year. You'll be asked by God to give in your last money this year. You'll be asked by God to give in your time this year. You'll be asked by God to give your last energy this year. But when you do it, please understand that God is going to keep you in your hour of struggle and your difficulties because God operates in that way. That's the modus operandi of God. He finds a way to reward our faith. He finds a way to keep us steady when we don't have the strength to push through and I know somebody today doesn't have the strength to push through you are sick today you're struggling cancer is ravaging your body you cannot even get up from the bed you don't know how to even take care of yourself I know it looks miserable right now you have been crying all night somebody has dipped out of your life I know the bank account looks dry. I know that the health is failing. I know that there's pain in your back. I know that the promotions ain't coming. I understand that you're not where you want to be with your life. But please stay with God. Keep investing in God and He will sustain you. He will keep you. While having lunch this week with a church member, they, they asked me, Pastor, how is the church doing? I said, well, we're still online and we've been online. There was a little window of opportunity for us to go back to, to church, but I think we were not truly prepared because there were a few requirements we needed to meet. So we're not able to go back to Pacific Place, but uh, the church is fine. And now Pacific Place has told us that they have closed the room indefinitely. So JCC is still going to be virtual for a long time. He says, wow. And I said, well, we're going to be fine. We've already been fine for two years. So uh, what is another six months? What is another, another year? Uh, what we're going to continue to do is to continue to have services every Sabbath. We're going to continue to have our prayer box every Wednesday. I hope you come. 
We're going to continue to have our Truth Decoded, and we are launching JCC University. We are also planning to have a virtual communion on the last Sabbath of March. We're also going to have a baptism on that particular day. Uh, JCC will continue moving. Uh, Facts Alive will continue doing its ministry. I, I understand what I'm saying. And I'm trying to tell you, keep giving your 10% all of it. Keep studying the Word of God. Keep being involved. Keep holding the family worship. Keep, keep doing for God what you need to do. And He is going to sustain you. Don't allow your circumstances to convert your faith. Don't allow your troubles to turn on, to turn off your faith. Uh, please let the trials to turn on your faith and allow you to go stronger and grow higher and grow deeper with God. This is the time because you do not sustain yourself. You understand that God is going to sustain me and take care of me. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now, uh, but let me go deeper. You see, you don't have to have much, but you just need to keep the little that you have. This is what Jesus tells the church in verse number 11. He says to them, I'm coming quickly. Let me give it a little bit more off. I'm coming quickly. Hold firmly to what you have so that no one will take your crown. You see, verse 11 shines brighter in the context of verse number 10. Verse number 10 says that trial is coming upon you, Philadelphia, as a trial is coming upon the whole world. So as we look at verse 11, we are understanding verse 11 that trial is coming. Difficulties are coming. And Jesus is saying, hold firmly to what you have. I'm coming quickly. And please make sure that no one takes your crown. You see, when you look at the word trial in the text, it's a word that defines something to see what it is made up of. I'm coming closer. You see, good testers do not test you to trip you up. Good testers test to see what you're made up of. When a teacher gives you a test, the teacher wants to know if you have learned how to work with fractions. The teacher wants to learn and to know if you know how subjects, predicates, and object operate in a sentence. He wants to know if you have known how to balance the chemistry equation. He wants to understand if you have known how to balance the credit and the debits. Good teachers test to see what you're made up of. And here, Jesus is saying, hold firmly to what you have because the trials you're about to go through are only going to test to see what you are made up of. So, so watch this. God allows you to go through trial to see what you're made up of. Never look at trials as traps. Look at them as tests. Never shake your finger at trials. See them as opportunities to triumph. But unfortunately, many of us, tests make us lose. Perhaps you've been in this experience after taking a test, that algebra test or that chemistry test, 
Notice I'm using algebra and chemistry because these are the subjects I struggled in school. Amen, somebody? And for some of you, maybe the struggle is English. But I've had experiences where I've taken the test, and after taking the test, the tests have made me feel like I'm, 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 I'm stupid. Like I'll never be good at this subject. So I lose the motivation for the subject. And I know that I'm speaking to somebody who, because you've been in pain for so long, you've lost the motivation to pray. I know I'm speaking to somebody because the struggles have been so hard in the relationship, you no longer have the motivation to go to church. I know I'm speaking to somebody who, if it ain't good with the family, you're not going to show up for Truth Decoded or Power Up or Power Hour. If you have a problem at work, you will not take Sabbath off. Somehow the test makes us lose. But Jesus says, hold firmly. Hold firmly to what you have. In other words, don't lose the motivation. Uh, don't lose the morale. Don't lose the job. Don't lose the relationship. Don't lose it in the midst of the trial. In that, in that moment, you, you need to understand that, that I will stick to God. I will I will stay closer to God. I will not lose him. I will not let him go. I will not lose it at all. I will, I will keep on moving. I don't lose in the midst of trial. Please, if you've been sick for so long, don't lose a desire for healing. If you've been dumped one too many times, don't lose uh, the desire for love. If you've been fired twice in the last year, don't lose your motivation to get interviewed again. If you've been betrayed by spiritual leaders, don't lose that motivation to trust again or that ability to trust again. You've been looked down upon. Please don't lose the desire to work with others. I'm simply saying hold firmly to what you have. Don't let it go. And when Jesus says hold firmly, he uses a Greek term that means to arrest. In other words, handcuff it to yourself, Philadelphia. That's, that's what he's saying to the church. So, so let me help somebody right now. If you're in danger of losing your desire, uh, please handcuff it to yourself. Arrest uh, it to yourself. Uh, the desire to love, handcuff it to yourself. The desire for the job, handcuff it to yourself. The desire to trust others, handcuff it to yourself. Uh, hold on to it. Because as Jesus said, he says, so that no one will take your crown. So that you don't lose your crown. And please understand that you have a crown in hand. When you accepted Jesus, you have a crown in hand. And don't let the trial make you lose your crown. You see, when I'm running, I think about the crown or finishing the run. So I never lose the motivation to keep on running. When I'm cooking, I think about the crown of eating, so I keep on cooking because I have a crown of eating. When I'm preaching a sermon, I, I don't lose sight of the crown of preaching to you, so I keep writing the sermon. I guess I'm trying to say that you must think about the crown 
so that you continue to push on and you don't lose. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at in this particular text, that there is a crown for us and that you and I are the only ones who can lose the crown. Nobody can rob it of us. Nobody can defraud us from it. A pastor can't take it away from you. A brother can't take it away from you. A sister can't take it away from you. Only you and how you handle yourself determine how or where or how you keep the crown. The words are running in my brain. Only you get to determine how you maintain the crown, how you handle yourself, how you manage your stress, how you hold on to your faith. That is what determines your crown. And so please do not focus on what you don't have. Uh, do not focus on what you are lacking. I want you to focus on the crown. Focus on getting better. Focus on being better. Stop comparing yourself to other people because comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, too many of us are looking at what others don't have. Too many of us are looking at what others are doing and what we're not doing and what we don't have. And we're forgetting that we have a crown that we've been given by Jesus. And as long as we keep our eyes on the crown, we're going to be all right. <laughs> we're going to be fine. Running has really been a blessing for me because it has taught me life lessons. The other day I was running and somebody passed me. And they, they passed me to show me that they are faster than me. But as I kept my pace, as I kept grooving and moving and enjoying my run, 200 meters ahead of me, I saw the person stop. And then I passed them. I guess what I'm trying to say is run at your own pace. Uh, you see, this runner who passed me did not know that I had already run seven kilometers and I still had another seven kilometers to go. And I was not going to speed up my pace because had I sped up my pace, I was going to destroy my run and not reach my crown of finishing the 15 kilometers that I had budgeted and planned for. And so I was focused on the crown of the 15K and I was not going to allow this brother passing me to push me further, uh, to uh, make me start to become impatient and, and start running faster. And some of us, we get impatient when we've been passed over the promotion. We get impatient when we see somebody getting married. We get impatient when we see that somebody else is traveling Bali and going to Georgia and going to Lampung and going to Lombok and, and going to Singapore. We get impatient when we see that they've gotten the degree. So we start to speed up, speed up, speed up, but not understanding that speeding up is destroying our pace and destroying our budgeted plan and, 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 and instead of us achieving what we're supposed to achieve we end up stopping and we're panting <sighs> and somebody's panting today because you have overspent somebody's panting today because you have made a quick decision and you're in a situation that's making you cry all night and you're asking people to pray for you when all they've been telling you before is that don't do this but yet you're panting. <sighs> Can we understand and learn that we need to hold on firmly to what we have, as Jesus says to the church of 
of Philadelphia. And we need to focus on our crown and understand that nothing can take away our crown. Nobody can take away our crown. All we need to focus in is on the race. And we're going to get there. Uh, watch this. You see, your crown uh, produces permanence in the presence of God. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Arguably one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. He started playing in the NFL, the American version of football, which is really handball, but I really love football, <laughs> American football. I have a struggle with soccer or football. When he got drafted in 2001, nobody thought he could be anything. But he's played from 2001 until 2022. That is 22 years of NFL seasons. On average, most careers last five to 10 years, but he's lasted for over 20 years. And recently he was bragging that he would play until the age of 50. But at the age of 44, this week, Tom Brady decided to bow out of football and he retired. And he posted, he says, it is time for me now to pay attention to other things. And I like to, weigh, I like to give way to future generations. Uh, I'm trying to tell you that nothing is permanent on this planet. No job is permanent. No marriage is permanent. No church is permanent. No car is permanent. No phone is permanent. No laptop is permanent. But Jesus says our crown gives us permanence in the presence of God. In verse 12, Jesus says to the one who overcomes, because the word crown means to overcome, because it is Stephanos in the Greek, which means to overcome. So he says the one who overcomes, that's what the crown is all about. To overcome, to get to the finish line, to persevere, to endure, to Go along to push through. The one who overcomes, I will give him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God. Jesus is saying, I will make you permanent. And some of us are looking for uh, permanence in a job, but yet we're in a trial period. Some of us are in a trial period with a subscription. Some of us are trying out to see if this is what we, we really want to do. But please understand that with God, it's always permanent. You're never in a trial period uh, because God loves you that much. And he says he's going to make you a pillar in the temple of his God. And please understand and please believe that God is interested in a permanent situation with you. Others may treat you temporarily. They may treat you like a band aid. They may treat you like a crutch to help them to walk for a certain season. But God don't treat you like that. God says, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. And you're going to be so important. I'm going to write the name of my God on you. <laughs> and the name is going to be New Jerusalem. And that's a beautiful thing. And for somebody listening to me and you're in a search of permanence, permanence fixture being rooted 
being established is found in God. You see, this message of permanence was important to Philadelphia because as a city, they suffered earthquakes, much like Indonesia. So they were not even in a permanent place. The big one came in AD 17 that it rocked the city of Philadelphia. It was destroyed. And Emperor Tiberius gave a decree that the city didn't have to pay taxes for five years. In honor of this grace from the emperor, the city of Philadelphia called the city Neo Caesarea. In fact, the name Philadelphia comes from Adalus Philadelphus, who was the one who founded the city. In other words, the, the city of Philadelphia was good at honoring the emperors. Uh, they, they looked up to their emperors and they would honor them in, in such a way. But in AD 92, the emperor Domitian signed a decree saying to the city of Philadelphia and other cities in Asia Minor that they would destroy all their crops and all their livelihood just because they could. And they decimated the economy of Philadelphia. Uh, can you see this situation? Uh, the city that honored the emperor and lifted him up is now being betrayed and treated bad by the same emperor. Uh, isn't it like that sometimes in life? That the people that we honor tend to dishonor us. Isn't it like that in life that uh, sometimes the people we are expecting to stay, they don't stay. At one point they tell us you're good, at some point they tell us you're bad. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that human beings are temporary. Uh, working in environments is temporary. Relationships are temporary. Uh, being in a church is temporary. Uh, looking up to people, that is temporary. Uh, being uh, somebody who pleases people, that is temporary. Please understand that permanence is not found in people. Permanence is found in God. Permanence is not found in Jakarta. Permanence is found in God. Permanence is not found in Unai. Permanence is found in God. Permanence is not found in Bakasi. It is found in God. Permanence is not found in Permanent residency in the U.S. is found in God. Permanence is not found in being a regular citizen in, in the U.K. It is found in God. Permanence is not found in what people say about you. Permanence is not found in the comments on Facebook. Permanence is not found in the car that you drive. Permanence is not found in the apartment that you live in. Permanence is not found in the shirt that you wear and the clothes that you put on. Permanence is found in Jesus. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this. When you invest all your resources in God, you have permanence. And what I'm calling you today is be a person of permanence when you give everything to God. I'm saying, take your heart, 
Take your life and give it over to God. The song says, take my life and let it be. That's what I want you to be today. The song says, I give you my heart, Lord. Give him your heart today. That's what I'm saying to you today. Because anything in this world is not going to last. Resources are not going to always be there. But God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. And today you and I can find permanence in our God. Today you and I can say, Lord, I will trust you. I believe in you, I hold on to you, and I'll not let you go because you will never, ever, ever let me go. Where are you investing your resources in today? Who is your resource today? How are you managing resources? If it ain't God, if he's not the center of your resources, Please understand you're dealing with a temporary situation. But when you invest your resources in God, you are dealing with a permanent situation. Right now, a fly just flew by my face. See, that was temporary. I, I, I blew it off like that. That's what you need to start doing about your education. Temporary. Think of marriage as temporary. In fact, the Bible says in the new heaven and the new earth, they ain't going to be marrying no more. I ain't saying divorce. No, no, no that's what I'm saying. Don't, don't get me twisted. The pastor believes in faithfulness. The pastor believes in marriage because the Bible is about marriage. But at the, at the end of the day, is your spouse in the place of God in your life? Or is God in the place he's supposed to be? Because you can make a spouse an idol. But you also need to be able to say, that's a fly. And put your permanence in God. And today you can find it. When you say, Lord, I accept you as personal Lord and Savior of my life. Today you can say, Lord, I'm going to follow your word and claim your name. Today you can find permanence. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity that you are our ultimate permanent resource. We trust you, we believe in you, and please, Lord, help us and guide us. Thank you, Father, for your kindness. Thank you, Father, for your love. This, Lord, we humbly pray in your mighty name. Amen. You see, I know that that word spoke to you and it resonated with you at some point, and you would like to respond to it, and I want to let you know that you can do that right now. Perhaps you want to do Bible studies to know more about Jesus Christ. Perhaps you want to be baptized. Perhaps you just want to recommit your life to Jesus. Please text us on the number on the screen. I'll be more than happy to respond to you and to your needs. May God bless you and take care of you. And I must see you very soon.